Hey everyone, welcome to 4Star Radio. This is your host Matt Adamchak, owner and head coach of 4Star Strike. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please take a second to subscribe. And here you go. Hey everyone, welcome back to 4Star Radio. Today joining me is our 4Star in-house nutritionist, Allison Minkowski. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. So uh, Allison's been working uh, with 4Star and our athletes here for, I'd say, just over a year now, we're looking yeah. at. Um, yep. I've, I've known you for many years. I was uh, Allison's CrossFit coach, one of her CrossFit coaches, uh, back when I ran a CrossFit gym here in Livonia, Michigan. And uh, Allison, you know, I know your story, but why don't we do a quick backstory of who you are and how you got into nutrition and what made you want to go more on the uh, sports nutrition side? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I uh, actually, my original plan was to be a physical therapist until I uh, did a summer interning in a physical therapy clinic and realized that athletes was really the only part that I was um, super interested in. So decided kind of last minute in my college career that I had to shift my focus. And nutrition's always been something that has been important to me that I've been interested in. I've been an athlete my whole life. So I knew pretty early on it was something that mattered and something that, you know, all athletes in general needed to, you know, focus on. I was lucky to have a pretty great sports dietitian in my college career who I was able to kind of sit down and talk with and realized I pretty much wanted to do what she did. So that led me into a little bit more of nutrition and was lucky to be able to jump right into grad school and go that route without too much of a sidetrack in my, you know, career and schooling. So, um, Best decision things, I made and pretty happy to, that I made that decision. Yeah, one of the things I like about you, Allison, is that you have an actual, like, you have an athletic sporting background. Um, and I, I, it's upsetting to say, but I think we don't always see that in nutritionists, actually. Um, yeah. So can you kind of tell everyone, like, what your background in sport is, like, even from a kid? Yeah, for sure. So as a kid, I did, you know, pretty much every little league from, you know, t-ball and softball and uh, into high school, I decided to focus a little bit more on um, track and field and cheerleading. I was kind of debating between the two going into college and ended up going the cheer route. So I cheered all four years for University of Michigan. And after college, kind of did that post-college athlete bouncing around from sport to sport, you know, academic or athletic um, challenge to another, trying to figure out where to settle and was lucky to find CrossFit about seven years ago and planned to do it for about three months to kind of jumpstart getting back in shape after having my first son and kind of stuck with it. And I'm, I'm here seven years later. So. Yeah, I think, I think you having a sporting background and having to push yourself and also just cheer, cheer. Like I've coached a couple cheer teams for strength and conditioning and I, it actually helped me accept that like there are sports out there that don't come off as sports that are actually really, really athletic and not that I like fought it, but my general background, like of not being very athletic and then going to the military, like getting a cheer team. I was like, this is going to be interesting. And then like seeing just the, not only the strength and physical and flexibility aspects you guys require, but even the mental stuff, like some of the tricks Mm -hmm. are, you know, between flipping and, all the different type of tumbling, like it's partially mental too. It's a hard sport. Yeah, it takes it takes a special person to get yourself, you know, tossed, you know, 15, 20 feet in the air um, and trust other people to catch you. So yeah, that's like the um, ultimate definitely something exercise. to overcome. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Um, cool. Thank you. Uh, that'll give people kind of a better understanding that like who you are. Um, you know, nutrition is definitely, I think something that it's always been relevant in, uh, sports, but I think people are starting to dial into it a little bit more and, uh, getting rid of the stereotypical diets. Like, Oh, I need to get, I need to get big. I'm just going to start drinking milk. Like those types of diets. Um, yep. I was actually watching a really good documentary last night. That's about Peros Dimas. And, uh, he talks literally at like 14, he realized like, okay, I like this weightlifting stuff, but I need to dial in. And he talks about like, he changed his diet. Like at 14 years old, he realized like, okay, I need to be an athlete. I need to just not yep. eat like a normal person. So he actually at 14 years old, way back then he was like looking at his diet and stuff. And now it's like the norm. Now we have, you know, athletes looking everywhere to figure out how to get their diet and performance better in all sports. So it's cool that that's kind of coming up. And I think it's also good that it's coming up and more important with sports psychology also. So two, yeah. two really good things that are uh, going to help our athletes do better and last longer to be blunt. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, I, you know, I came in, I, to Eastern Michigan to work with their athletes, you know, about nine years ago. And when I started, there was a handful of full-time sports dietitians, you know, across the country, even the big schools, you know, power five conferences really only had, you know, maybe one dietitian for the big ones. And now you're, you know, looking around, you know, less than a decade later. And most of those, you know, big name schools have four or five full-time dietitians plus a staff of graduate assistants and fellows and interns. And even a lot of the, you know, smaller Mac schools or, you know, smaller schools across the country now are starting to get, you know, I just came in full-time. So I think you'd be hard pressed to find even like community colleges that don't have some sort of sports nutrition type person in their, even their, their sporting programs. Yep, absolutely. So it's, it's exciting to see and be in this time of sports nutrition where people are starting to, you know, recognize the necessity of it and starting to pull in those resources and um, tapping into those, you know, pieces to make their performance better. Yeah. So talking of the diets and nutrition, all right, let's, let's lay it out there right now. So the diet I tell people is like literally it's straight book. Okay. First of all, diet is a, it's a psychological term is what I kind of tell people is diet is the regular. I think if you look it up in the dictionary, it's like the regular eating habits and patterns of a creature or animal. Yeah. And I think that's like to a T the definition and Merriam or something. But mm-hmm. that's what I try to get people to understand that are my athletes and stuff. Like you can do whatever diet quote unquote you want, but it has to be consistent and it has to make yeah. sense. So like when people are like, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a juice diet and they're just drinking things. I'm like, well, let's look at the anatomy of the mouth. That's not actually what you're designed to do. So, um, so how, how do you, how do you break down your definition of diet to people? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, kind of like you said, I'm not really a big fan of the word diet as our culture has kind of come to recognize it as, you know, kind of something that you do short term to get a kind of definite result, right? Um, I mean, we, we are definitely people that, you know, people, and and again, as a, you know, dietitian, I'll always get, you know, what's the best diet? Which of these is the best? Which should I do? And, you know, my answer is always, you know, the best diet is one that you can stick with for the rest of your life, which doesn't usually follow, fall into that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we can do that easily, probably. Um, So, you know, whenever I work with people in general, my goal is to find something that you can do 
forever for the rest of your life, whether you're athletic or not. And in that we will make tweaks to help your performance, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. And, um, in the short term, we may need to make some adjustments, you know, say if there's, you know, a weight cut or anything like that. But in general, I want people to be doing very close to the same thing, you know, now as they're doing a month from now, as they're doing a year from now. Um, and, you know, we just kind of build on it from there. So would you would you say diet is more habits based or would you say it's more like mentality based and just willing yourself into it? So, I mean, in general, like, you know, definitely habits, that's what we're going for because, you know, you can take all of those things that are popular right now and you may be able to, like you said, mentally will yourself into making some major changes, but nobody out there is going to be able to sustain those and say you see some changes by, you know, making some drastic, you know, cuts to whatever, cutting out food groups or whatever, uh, the second you kind of move away from that, you're going to most of the time see all of those quote unquote results that you had, you know, backslide. And, and that's, that's not good for you mentally. That's not good for you physically. So, um, you know, yes, eating and food and nutrition is definitely has a mental component to it, but I don't ever want somebody to be willing themselves into making changes. And, you know, that's part of my job as a dietitian is to, to take away that piece of it for people. Yeah. I always, I always find it interesting. So like smoking, for example, they've done a lot of research on smoking and it's, um, it's, it's actually more the physical aspect of smoking. That is the habit maker, not the Mm -hmm. addiction to nicotine. Um, and the nicotine just like supplements that habit, but it's the addiction of the hand movements and the, uh, tactile feedback of breathing in the smoke and stuff like that. And they're finding that that's actually the hardest thing to kick when it comes to habit breaking. So it's like, let's take that kind of research and those thoughts and look at it like our nutrition and diets and stuff. It's like people people are reacting or most of the time when we see diets, I mean, you probably see it all the time. It's a lot of boredom eating. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. they just have that movement. It's not because they're sitting there like, man, I think I should ingest 1300 calories for the Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a need they need to fulfill. It's because they don't have something to do with their hands probably, or that boredom needs to be fixed and a habit may be created to counteract those habits. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, boredom is one, you know, emotion you might say that can lead to that. And, you know, I see across the board people eating because they're happier. They had a good day at work or people eating because yeah. they, you know, um, are sad or because they're upset or because they're stressed or because they're anxious. I mean, um, eating is a reaction to a lot of different emotions. And that's where, you know, like I said, the mental piece of it comes in and we got to figure out what are some, some better ways to deal with your boredom and what are some better ways to deal with your, you know, sadness or your happiness or whatever it might be. So, yeah, the, um, so that actually, that's, I mean, we'll just segue right now. That's a perfect time. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you is about like talking about relationships with food. Obviously people listening to this are going to be your, your weightlifting, uh, audience, but, uh, mm-hmm. all, all sports athletes need to have a good, healthy relationship, I think with their diet and nutrition. Um, so like we see a lot of times and I see in coaches, whether they're young or old, you start to see some unhealthy relationships with food. Um, in terms of like reward style eating where like an athlete, 
and and athlete did really well today and they're like i did good today so i'm gonna get x or i'm gonna go eat here um mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's kind of like uh, pavlov's dogs type scenario like all right you came to the bell you get a treat and yeah. uh then um you know, then you see punishment style eating where like people are like, I didn't do well today. I don't deserve X calories, which is like super scary because it's totally counterculture to what we need. And then we have like kind of our medium ground where it's just like, I feel like because I have a hard workout, I can eat more. And, uh, you know, the relationships with food, like kind of give us give us some input into how you work with athletes to first of all figure out those relationships because it's a psychological thing so it's going to take a little bit longer to actually see the underlying relationship but uh yeah. how you how you go upon with you know the pros and cons of how do you try to get athletes to have good relationships with their food yeah and i mean that's a challenging one like you said a lot of those relationships they weren't built in the last year you know they were built in the last 10 years 20 years you know all the way back to when they were a kid and there's a lot of really interesting research. You know, I'm a parent, I have young kids. So it's always interesting to me to see, you know, how do we, how do we develop those relationships as a, a five-year-old or a seven-year-old? Um, you know, but that, that I could go on forever about. But, you know, in the current day, once those relationships are there, like you said, it's definitely, you know, first step is just kind of realizing that they're there, which sometimes, you know, is a process in and of itself. Um, and I'll talk a lot with people you know, there's definitely, we, we got to take into account both the mental and the physical side, because if you're thinking about, you know, some of those, you know, well, I had, had a hard lift and now I need to, you know, reward myself with this food. You know, we're going to look at, you know, how are you eating beforehand? Did you get what you needed beforehand? Um, I'll see a lot of athletes who, you know, get to the end of the day and, and they're starving and they, you know, don't, maybe don't recognize that they're starving because they're not having those traditional hunger cues, but, they feel like they just need to eat and eat and eat. And, you know, a lot of times they aren't eating breakfast or they're barely eating before their workout or they're not eating anything during their workout. And, you know, so, so first step is we got to look at the physical part. Are you fueling your body the way that you need to fuel it? I like to kind of talk about it being almost like a suit of armor, right? So it's not going to stop the emotional eating and it's not going to address necessarily the relationship with food or fix that relationship with food, but at least is going to set you up to be better prepared to do that work um, from kind of a relationship perspective. If you're not fueling your body, it's going to be really hard to not eat, to reward yourself, to not eat, you know, um, yeah. when you're, you know, trying to deal with those emotions. So that's kind of step number one is do we have the physical component in place where you're fueling your body with what you need to fuel with, you know, when you need to fuel it, you know, in the amounts that you need to fuel it. So we'll kind of take that piece first. But um, after that's kind of in place and we're working on that, you know, it just kind of becomes, you know, food is there to, to fuel your body. And there are definitely, you know, I, I won't deny that, you know, there are foods that make us happy and there are foods that are social foods. And that's important like to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cookies are me. I if love anyone cookies. hasn't um, guessed yet, my crutch is cookies. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I'm, I'm more that. of an ice cream person, but you know, um, we, we do a lot of ice cream nights in my house, but, um, but you know, it's it's important to kind of take away, I think, the the good and the bad definition with that because that's where a lot of it starts is that these are bad foods and I can only have these foods when I'm rewarding myself or if I do have these foods when I'm not supposed to, then I failed and I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. And that mentality is what drives a lot of that. So a lot of the work that I do is 
you know, let's break that kind of definition of this is a good food, this is a bad food. All foods kind of have a time and a place, right? So um, if we can, you know, kind of start to work towards these are foods that fuel my body and help my performance, high performance foods, so I like to call them. And these are foods that may not necessarily fuel my performance, but, you know, they may be foods that I have when I go to celebrate, you know, my husband's birthday or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of take I, it almost like takes the power away from that food because it's not this like special bad food that I'm, you know, um, kind of putting all of this like emotional, you know, component into. Um, and then it's just like, you know, not that you can't have those foods, but it, it becomes less desirable, I guess. You know, um, if, if you ever tell a kid, don't touch that thing on the counter, what's the first thing they're going to, you know, <laughs> run over and do is exactly. want to touch yeah. that thing, right? Yeah, you, you've so, made it a, a taboo. So every kid wants to do a taboo. Exactly. And, the, you know, we do the same thing, whether we know it or not, with, with our food choices. So if we can kind of take away that definition, it kind of, I think, removes a lot of that. Um, and then part of it is just you got to be honest with yourself and you got to be able to own up to, you know, and start to recognize what are those kind of emotional habits I'm doing. Like every time I have a bad workout, I am, you know, punishing myself the rest of the day by not eating. Well, you know, that's that's obviously not helping any performance and it's going to lead to more bad performances and that's a pretty vicious vicious cycle to be in so um it's kind of a there's a lot that's a pretty tiered question but um there's a lot of components yeah, no, that's, part that's, of it part of it is I recognizing it's good it you that know? people understand that that it's tiered mm -hmm. like you have to have a good relationship with food to use it as a fuel Right. You know, if you look at if right. you look at just the the you know the car analogy is what I like to tell people all the time. It's like when you treat your body like a Formula One racer, you know, a really high end car, like it can run on regular gasoline, but it's gonna fuck the engine up. It's gonna make it yeah. dirty and slimy, and that's that's being a high level athlete and eating like a normal quote unquote civilian eating, you know, the food pyramid base. Um, yeah. The verse, like, okay, let's take that Formula One racer and put only the, the best fuel for it in that right. specific sport. It's going to run clean. It's going to run great, high performance. Even the brain's going to work better. And uh, But before you do that, you have to have that good relationship with food in itself. You have to understand it's not a punishment. It's not a treat. It's not a, you know, all these, all these bad taboo feelings of how to treat fuel because, like, take it way back when when we were figuring out cars and stuff like you had to respect gasoline it's a very volatile substance yep when we use it right it's very beneficial but it at the end of the day like that's why trucks and tanks that transport gasoline have to have like a million signs on the back of them because it's like this is highly volatile this could mess you yep. up <laughs> and uh i think that's you know that's an analogy i use that like only my adults and my kids understand when right. i try to explain it to them um, exactly you know one of one of the one of the best times I ever felt best about my nutrition was I was doing the zone diet with a friend when I was in the army and I was getting ready for special forces school. And I, we were doing zone diet and it's like so dialed in and curtailed to specific times, specific quantities. I was sitting there like measuring one piece of Swiss cheese, six almonds mm -hmm. so I could get my blocks. But like I had such a good relationship with like, okay, I'm eating because I have to eat right to be properly fueled for the exercises I have today and this afternoon. And I know these foods are going to do this for me. And like, I was at the top of my game back then doing that diet 
because I also think that I knew and understood what it was going to take for me to get to the level I wanted to get to. Right. So I was yeah. able to do that, you know. So I think that that was probably why I, I did so well back then because my food was straight fuel. I was only treating mm-hmm. it as fuel. So, like, I didn't even, I didn't even want to go out and drink or eat shitty food because, like, I was so satisfied with my workout and how I felt in training. I was like, man, I want to keep that feeling going again. So, like, I'm, I don't even want a fucking pizza. And let me tell you, they had some really good pizzas down at Fort Bragg. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to, that's hard to deny for sure. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think you know, relationship with food definitely is a huge thing that I think having a nutritionist also will help you with because it's not even like somebody to sit there and like crack the whip. So to say, I think it's somebody to sit there and confer with you and be like, yeah, no, I see what you did. And like, I understand what you did, but like, let's find, like we were talking earlier, like let's find a different habit to replace that habit. And sometimes when you're just doing nutrition on your own, you don't have that. So you just fall in the Mm -hmm. same loophole. So it's no different. It's just a coach, right? It's another style of, Exactly. And, you know, I like to say, like, you know, I mean, there are a thousand calculators out there where you can figure out your macros and you can figure out your calorie needs and you can break it into when to eat it throughout the day. But um, that kind of next step or that extra level of having someone to say, okay, you didn't do this the way that, you know, you know how to do this, you know what you're supposed to do, you didn't do it. Let's figure out why. Was it because you were stressed? Was it because you ran out of time? Was it because, you know, work was too busy and you didn't know how to fit it in? And so that's kind of, you know, part of what, you know, me and other dietitians can do is kind of break up what are were the what were those challenges, whether it was emotional or logistical or whatever, um, and kind of find that extra, extra step to, to make it work. Yeah. Um, so continuing on, we have our relationship with our food. We have our relationship with our athletes. Um, you know, let's talk now. Okay. So we have a good relationship with food. You're rocking and rolling with the athlete. What are we looking at when you start building out a quote unquote performance plan for an athlete? Like we know our fuel, so to say, will power us through workouts and stuff. But when you're working with an Olympic weightlifter, um, or, a, you know, even a CrossFitter or any of the athletes you work with. Obviously, each athlete's going to have its special times in regards to what you're fueling. But what do, you, what do you think the definition versus this is my regular diet to this is my performance diet for my sport? How do you separate those and how do you start building them out? And what do they look like? Yeah, for sure. So, obviously, someone who's performing, they got to be a little bit more dialed in. You know, if I'm just working with anyone off the street, we have a lot more flexibility, right? A lot more room to have some of those, you know, maybe lower performance foods, you know, less critical on when and how much and that. Um, So, you know, once you get into the performance nutrition, you know, really, I mean, the three areas we can work with is what you're eating, when you're eating and how much you're eating. So as far as what to eat, you're really going to dial in a little bit more on, you know, like I said, the high performance foods, which are really going to be minimal processed. So, you know, how many steps are there between when it came out of the ground or, you know, was raised until you eat it. So the, the less steps in between, the better, the less ingredients in each product, the better. So if you're looking at a high performance diet, uh, you know, for, for an, a high level athlete, you're going to really need to be a little bit more dialed in on that piece. So um, I just want to pause a little bit less flexible. So, yeah. So bas- basically what you just said is the foods that our ancestors ate, <laughs> like, essentially yep. you just said, 
if we took food a hundred years ago before we started putting science into everything, that's our high performance diet. Yep, that's usually okay. going to work a little bit better for you. Which, which I, I just wanted to point out, and I obviously like that was a, a baited response right there. But like, <laughs> I just, I just love the irony in that. Hey, if you eat food that's natural, you'll mm -hmm. fucking feel like a better human being. Yep, and it, it's just like, whoa, really? That's crazy. What an odd concept. And <laughs> And what's funny about a lot of that is a lot of the, you know, quote unquote diets that, you know, people will say they do and, you know, they feel so much better once they start this, you know, structured diet. A lot of it is just because you're getting rid of all the crap, you know, yeah. it's not because you're not eating gluten or you're only eating, you know, paleo or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really just because you're getting rid of a lot of the junk that, and you like, know, I've... is out there and easy and convenient. And interrupt real quick. I like, I love paleo. Like, I did paleo for a number of years when I was CrossFitting, but, like, I think one thing that people need to understand is, like, weightlifting, sports, that's that's not, that's an undue stress that our mm -hmm. body's not naturally designed to do every day. So, like, paleo's great for a normal lifestyle, but when you're doing something that stresses the bones, tendons, ligaments, you're playing football and crashing into people for hours on end in training... Like, you got a little bit extra stressors going on than just trying to survive and walk around the plains. So, yeah. like, I think paleo is good for normal people. I think paleo, I guess you'd call it paleo plus, is probably, like, the performance diet, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and I mean, all food groups, you know, are important for a lot of different reasons, right? So, you know, we can't, you know, I'm never going to take many carbs away from my athletes because that's what that's what their bodies run on and that's you know like you said those those stresses if you keep adding those up and adding those up without giving your body the fuel it needs then it's going to be um hard to recover the way that they need to you know when putting th their body through all that um so so yeah i mean there's again definitely a difference between you know going back to your original question of average you know person off the street versus an athlete their bodies are going through a lot so you know they have a lot higher requirement as far as being able to recover and you know moving into one of those other steps in in the amount of food that they're eating just in general they need a whole lot more because they're spending a whole lot more so you know making sure that that's and that's going to be different obviously for every athlete um in you know how much they need based on how big they are and what their sport is and you know going into all of that but um they need a lot more than the average person and i think that's something that gets skewed in a lot of athletes that i work with i would say Honestly, one of the bigger problems I see with more athletes than not is underfueling and not eating enough mm -hmm. to meet the demands of their sport, which, you know, the general population you're working with, you know, across the board, all we ever see is obesity epidemic and people are eating too much. And honestly, with the athletes, I see nine times out of 10, it's the opposite. Um, and they think that, you know, because they get those messaging across the board of you need to eat less, you need to eat less, people are eating too much. Um, and for a lot of athletes, that's just not the case. So um, a lot of times we're working on, you know, years and years of underfueling and trying to undo what that's done to their metabolisms and to their recovery process and all of that. So I think that's a big thing that gets overlooked with a lot of athletes. Um, and I'm not going to say every athlete, obviously there are athletes out there that need to dial in and, you know, eat less, but, um, I think that's something that gets overlooked in, in a lot of athletes that I work with. Yeah. I think, I think I definitely agree with you on that. I see so much under fueling going on and it's, uh, it's, 
you know, these athletes, they're forced to listen to all these different inputs of, you know, 2,000 calories is the average, you know, the USDA or whatever advises, Mm -hmm. shit like that, and the government entities. And then you have, like, their favorite Olympic lifter, right, is like, I eat 4,500 calories a day. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, all right, that's a gigantic spread between the two. And then you have people on the other spectrum that are like, I'm only this big. There's no way I should eat 2000 calories a day. And it's like, you guys, like it's, you have to find your sweet spot. It's no different than like mm-hmm. your grip on snatch. Yep. Like, yeah, there's an advised, Absolutely. there's an advised way to do it. But like at the end of the day, you got to find where your sweet spot is. And that's going to take experimentation and trying different yep. things. And obviously working with a nutritionist is going to help with that. But I mean, it's as easy really as you recording, like for a two week period, I ate only 1800 calories for a two week period. I ate 2200 calories and seeing what the difference in your weight fluctuation, how you felt, stuff like that. But I think the issue comes in is this generation we have now, you know, which is our generation, unfortunately, (laughs) it's all this instant gratification shit. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't want to sit there. And wait two weeks to see what, you know, it's a scientific process is what it is. It's test and retest. Yep. Absolutely. And and people don't want to like take the time to do that. So they kind of fall into these loopholes of switching their diet around every week, waiting Mm -hmm. to see some miracle feeling. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, the, the science of calories and macros and weight I really put science in quotes there because yes, there is science behind it. And yes, there are formulas and calculations, but honestly, in my, you know, almost decade of doing this, it is really more of an art than a science. And it's exactly what you said of it takes, we can come up with a, you know, estimate based on, you know, your data and what you're trying to achieve. But at the end of the day, we got to try it. We got to see what happens and we got to track not just what does your body do? What is your weight doing? But how are you feeling? How are your lifts? How are your strength? How's your energy? How's your sleep? I mean, it, it pulls in so many things. So um, it really is a process and it is not going to be, it is not something that we're going to figure out in a week because that doesn't give us, that doesn't give your body even time to adjust to the changes and, and regulate. And um, there's a whole lot of factors that go into that. So it is, um, definitely something that takes takes some time to figure out and something i challenge a lot of people just just be patient trust the process uh but that i know that's a hard thing to do because um especially when you're seeing you know again all the messages and um the the flashy you know get results quick sort of sort of attitude um is hard i I love it i love it when like somebody is like my favorite athlete is so and so i see that they eat 4400 calories a day i'm like cool they work out five times a week and push themselves. You work out five times a week and push yourself. What is your caloric level? And they're like, yeah, 1600. I'm like, do you not understand like the issue there? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's break into that a little bit more and figure it out. Yeah. So. My favorite is, is working with people and we slowly start to increase, you know, um, because that's the thing you also can't jump, you know, you're not going to yep. go from 1600 to 3000 in the course of a week, you're going to feel like crap. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like you know, as we, exactly, as we slowly start to increase and they're like, I have more energy. I feel stronger. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm more awake. I didn't have to drink as much coffee. I'm like, huh, you get energy from food. Who knew? Um, you know, that's kind of yep. the point of it, but um, but yeah, it's a fun process. Yeah. So 
we talked about the definition of diet. We talked about relationships with food. We talked about performance eating. Um, let's chat real quick. I'm going to throw a fourth topic in here because I'm always interested whenever I work with nutritionists or talk to them. Supplements. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, okay. <laughs> I liked, so one of the things I like about RP, and we had Mike Isertel, one of the founders of RP, come in here way, way, way back when. And I yep. loved how he was super upfront with supplements. Or I don't remember the exact number, but it was like 5%. He's like, that's like the 5% of what you need. Mm -hmm. And there's like, supplements aren't going to do shit for you if you don't have a good diet first. Absolutely. And then second of all, supplements are going to help milk and get more out of you and allow you to do a little bit more. But without just a, a good nutrient base, you know, you're kind of, it's like throwing paint on dry spackle like it's not really gonna work like yeah, yeah you, you colored it up but it's still really soft and gooey and not what we're looking for um right you know what are what are your opinions with supplements how do you use them who do you use them with what ones do you like what ones do you think are overrated yeah so you know, this is something that i would say probably my attitude has has adjusted over my time in working with athletes you know, I came right out of school in a very dietitian mindset of food is the only thing that matters and supplements, you know, are totally unnecessary. And I've, I've come to appreciate that they can provide benefits, but I think you put it exactly right. I mean, they are not going to take the place of having every other aspect of your nutrition in check. And that is always step number one. If people come in saying what supplements should I take or what supplements are going to help me? If you are not hitting all three phases of nutrition, you know, top notch, I'm not even going to go there. We got to get that part in check first. Um, and then also, you know, things like sleep and hydration, you know, are those where they need to be? So it is absolutely the tip of the pyramid. You know, if you step number one is get all of the other pieces where they need to be. And then we can start talking about if you still feel like at that point you need a little bit extra, we can talk about it. Um, but, you know, I'm a very evidence-based, science-based person. And I will say that the majority of stuff out there doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of scientific um, support for it. So, so I say that meaning that Yes, you can find scientific evidence to prove every single supplement out there works amazing, um, yeah. but you can also find evidence to prove that it doesn't do anything. So um, when I say there's no scientific evidence, I mean there isn't a wealth of scientific evidence overwhelmingly 90, proving 90 that it will help. 90% of the field believes it. Right, right, exactly. So there's going to be anecdotal evidence for everything and every supplement you're going to be able to see, yes, this worked amazing for me. So what I usually, the stance that I usually take with my athletes is um, everything's in check. Great. We can start talking about um, supplementation and then it's just kind of how, how does it make you feel, right? If you feel like it makes a difference for you, um, then okay. Um, we can work in it, you know, as long as obviously we check and make sure that it's not going to be one that's a contaminated brand. So I usually say either NSF certified or, um, you know, certified for sport, um, the informed sport choice um, brand or not brand, but, you know, um, designation. So we want to make sure there's no contamination in it. We want to make sure that um, it's not something that's obviously shown to be harmful. And then at that point, we just kind of, you know, go by, you know, what do you feel works? I would say 
the ones that have the best, you know, most substantial evidence, obviously multivitamins, if you're not already eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables, multivitamin is an easy go-to. Um, I would prefer you eat your fruits and vegetables, but if that's not going to happen or you're not getting what you need, that's an easy one to supplement those pieces. Um, fish oil, DHA is another one that's got some pretty substantial um, evidence behind it just to help with the joint health um, fish oil I love. and recovery. I- I yeah. stand, I stand mm-hmm. behind it a ton. I think MSM, chondroitin, fish oil, those are like my big three of like, yeah, I, have, I have personally, being an old beat up paratrooper, felt the <laughs> benefits of taking those. Yep. And that's, that's one that I hear, you know, not just in scientific evidence, but from most people that I hear, they do feel a difference in doing that. Um, and I would say caffeine, you know, as much as that's kind of a touchy subject that does have some, some decent evidence behind it. But that being said, that doesn't mean you need to go crazy with it. So, you know, it, what does that there's mean? really, like <laughs> there's really right no, now. yeah, exactly. There's really no difference on a performance standpoint from having one cup of coffee versus like five cups of coffee. So, you know, um, if you want to, you know, use that as, you know, a, a kind of, um, energy enhancing substance that's fine but you don't need to um you know go overboard i guess on that sense so i don't even know um, what overboard is on caffeine right exactly exactly (laughs) most people most people are in your shoes but um but yeah i don't don't think most people can keep up with me on caffeine intake (laughs) that might be true that might be true um i don't think i'd want to try so um But yeah, besides that, you know, the pre-workouts, you know, the protein, that kind of thing. I mean, that's honestly, in my opinion, probably not um, overly necessary. I would rather, you know, and you're most likely going to feel similar benefits from eating and fueling your body the way that you need to. um, And those become pretty unnecessary at that point. So, yeah. What do you think about all the like the natural ones, like the. uh... The, the, the hardcore, like natural, like the gingers, the turmeric, the devil's root, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And, you know, what I like about those is, you know, those are, those are food, more or less, you know, I mean, those are herbs, those are, those are spices. So it's not something that's made in a lab necessarily. Um, And those are high in antioxidants, which we know help. So um, things like that, definitely, those are ones that I would be in support of, um, in support of, and have seen some, I think those are starting to become as I think people are kind of shifting into, you know, more of the natural based, um, plant based type stuff. Um, yeah, I think those are ones that are, we'll see more and more research and benefits on, you know, in the coming years. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, everyone, just because we said turmeric, doesn't mean you can, or ginger, doesn't mean you can like go to the Indian restaurant and get the, the most unhealthy yeah. food that is ginger based or yep. uh, turmeric based and think you're doing your body good. It has to be good with good. Yeah. I was just going to say that's kind of like uh, the, you know, I'm going to drink my half a bottle of wine because it um, has antioxidants and it helps <laughs> my heart, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, it's helping your brain right now is all that's doing. Yes. Deal with whatever. Exactly. So awesome. Lots of good details. Uh, definitely love what you've done with the athletes here at Four Star. Um, I think you're working with six, seven right now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. We've The last two, three months, we've a couple more have gone your way. And uh, definitely I'm liking the benefits, seeing what you're doing there. And I'm even starting to slowly come off on weight. So that's fun. Yeah, uh, we're working on I, that. <laughs> yeah, it's because the holidays are over. There's less cookies going on. So, um, but uh 
Yeah, everything's everything's awesome, Allison. Obviously, I appreciate having you here. And I think one of the biggest things is like, as I'm trying to make Four Star a performance site, is that uh, you know, there's a nutrition on board that understands the rigidity that the sport requires, yeah. um, the the extremes it also sometimes requires, like cutting. And you know, I think one of the mm -hmm. coolest things, just a humble brag right now, is like you went to a conference this weekend or two weekends ago, right? Yeah. And uh, can you just tell people what it was? Yeah, so I went out to the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas and um, had a you know day and a half workshop seminar with the performance team at UFC. There was about 50 of us out there all working with weight class sports around the country and really just got to, it was honestly a, a really awesome experience. I'm so happy for you know the opportunity to do that. We got to see everything that they're doing with their UFC fighters um, as far as you know, not just nutrition, but looking into some of the exercise science tests that they're doing with their athletes. We talked really about you know, weight class sports in all aspects. So, you know, the acute kind of cutting phase, you know, the week right before, what does that look like? How do we do it in a way that keeps our athletes, you know, safe and healthy? Um, what does it look like from a mental perspective? How do we support them, you know, outside of the cutting phase in their, you know, day-to-day -day life and um, keep them, you know, ready? So we really looked at it from all aspects and it was, it was a pretty awesome experience. They learned some pretty cool things. I'm looking forward to um, implementing them, even if I don't have quite all the awesome technology that they have at, you know, the UFC yeah. Performance Institute, we can still, we can still pull a lot of that knowledge and use it with our athletes here. Awesome. So, uh, to close this out, uh, not take any more of your time. Uh, so I always do like a fire off top three at the end. Uh, what I want from you is off the top of your head, what are your top three habits to help people crush their nutrition game? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, um, stick with those high performance foods as much as you can really take a look at, you know, where your diet's coming from, what, what you're getting and try to clean that up a little bit if you can. I think number two is, you know, like we talked about, just examine your relationship with food, start to realize, are you using food as a crutch to deal with, you know, um, any of your emotions? And if so, kind of try to get that in check. And I think third would just be to start to um, examine your, you know, classification of your food, you know, work on moving away from that bad food, good food, take the power out of the food and use it as fuel um, to fuel your performance. Sounds good. Salad. Love it. Thank you, Allison, for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, the shameless plug section. Where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a website, uh, www.levelupnutrition.com. And if people want to, you know, check that out, um, they can get a hold of me on there, um, see what I do and see a little bit more about me. And I'd be happy to chat with anyone if they feel like I could, I could help them. Awesome. Guys, if you like this podcast and have been liking them, please go ahead and give us a good rating and subscribe. Uh, we're trying to do episodes every two weeks right now. I think we're actually ahead of schedule, which is something crazy I've never done in my life. So it's fun and exciting. And uh, Allison, thanks again for your time. And, Absolutely. Uh, it was great talking with you as always. I will see you in the gym soon, I'm sure. Yep. See you next week, actually. Yeah. Okay. See you later. Bye. Take care. <laughs>